All right, so today's episode is with Rhea Shukla. Um, and Rhea is 18 years old, but at the age of 16, she founded uh, an organization called Future of Us, which is um, kind of a, a, a youth movement-based platform which has over 300 volunteers that write about all different types of topics, political issues, social issues, climate issues, fashion, all, all different topics. Um, she's spoken at TEDx events. She's spoken at a number of tech conferences. She's actually writing a book. So it should come as no surprise that, that her value is educating and engaging the youth to be more involved today, more involved in trying to solve these complex problems that we face in the world. Um, so I was excited to talk to Rhea because, you know, I've spoken to some other folks who are kind of youth activists and, and I really am intrigued by that. I think there's a lot of value in it. I think it makes a lot of sense in many ways, but, but I don't always fully understand. I, I kind of want to understand what's underneath that. What drives somebody that's 16 years old to have such a passion for trying to fix the world, frankly. So it was really cool to hear from Rhea and kind of hear her talk about it. And in many ways, her view is, you know, listen, certainly the youth don't have all the answers. They, they don't know everything. But getting more diverse perspectives, getting perspectives from a group that maybe sees things slightly differently, that maybe are, are young enough and not jaded enough by the world to have some of the biases that burden, you know, those that have aged a little bit more. Um, that just makes sense. You know, it's not just that they have the answers. It's just let them have a voice in it as well. It may help us all to more efficiently get to a better place. And, and I get that. That makes a lot of sense. So much so that <laughs> at points in this episode, as I listened back to it, I was like, yeah, maybe I went a little bit fanboy there and just really, you know, kind of applauding and cheering on what Rhea was doing. But but it's hard to argue, right? The, the, somebody that's that's taking that approach, there's a lot of logic in it. Um, so in, in some ways, I also pressure tested it a lot, too. I asked a lot of questions, maybe more than I even normally do, of probing and, and pressure testing and trying to challenge, you know, where might there be holes in this? because uh, I did like the approach. I did like what she had to say and I, and I wanted to see. Um, so I did ask a lot of questions. Some of the common critiques you might hear about the youth trying to get more engaged, some of the problems that might exist in that, some of the concerns people might have. And probably what surprised me most in this episode was Rhea's humility. Um, how often she was willing to say like, listen, I just don't know enough about that. So I'm not going to say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to express an opinion on it, um, which is so, so uncommon for so many people. They feel like they have to give an opinion on everything. Um, how often she acknowledged she might have some blind spots and, and how important it was for us to all work together uh, towards these solutions. So again, when you put together logic and humility the way she is, the approach she's taking and, and her foundation, her, her organization, um, that, that's hard to argue with. So I, I really did walk away with a lot of optimism hearing about that humility and how important that was to her. And in many ways, that's the most important thing she's trying to educate the youth on, that to maintain that humility throughout life. Um, but again, we, we did a lot of questioning. We did a lot of pressure testing about human nature. And it, it, is it really feasible as we age? Is it just inevitable for us to get more jaded and more cynical and lose that optimism and humility? Um, the other interesting thing I noted was, you know, when, when I really pressed Rhea to say, where, where does this all come from? You know, wh why? Why this drive to try and fix the world and change the world? She mentioned she grew up in Silicon Valley. She grew up around big tech companies and, and that for her, her environment was such where the idea of using data, statistics, science, technology to try and constantly improve was just all she knew. That's, that's kind of what was put forth. And where I get that, and, and there's a lot of value in that, there is the cynic in me that says, I'm not sure if the big tech companies of today are the best sources of inspiration to fix the world. 
but let me not be cynical. Let me not be the, the typical old person that just looks for the problems. I, I, what I'd like to focus more on is from this conversation, um, that approach, that humility, that logic, that optimism, um, it's carried Rhea really far and, and, and really done really well for her to this point. And I'm excited to see where it goes. So I appreciate her for being on, for answering all my questions so well and articulating all the answers so well um, and giving me a better perspective. So with that, let's get to Rhea. All right, Rhea, thank you so much for being on the show. I really do appreciate it. I will jump to the first question of what's the value that's most important to you and guides your life. Absolutely. Um, so the so I'm an 18 year old change maker, and so I think that a big part of what I do is try to really encourage youth to start thinking about the future. Um, a lot of times, what we see with a lot of young people is that we wait way too late in life to start thinking about solving the issues of today. Um, and so my main value is really educating youth and getting them involved from a really young age. Awesome. And where where'd that come from, Bria? Was that something that just naturally kind of evolved in you? Was it something that you know your family or somebody brought up in you? Sure. Yeah. So um, kind of from a young age, I, I was always interested in watching lectures or going to different conferences, just kind of sitting where I could trying to learn. Um, and a lot of times what I would start to see is that a lot of these tech conferences or just conferences in general would always have older people talking about the future. Um, they would say like, this is what, you know, medicine is going to look like five, 10 years mm -hmm. from now, or climate change is going to look like five, 10 years from now. Um, but the funny thing is, is the people that are actually going to be working or solving those issues were nowhere on the table. Mm -hmm. um, we had absolutely no young people talking about what they wanted to see in the future. Um, and so by getting them involved from a young age, I thought that it would be really interesting to see how we could kind of make more evolved change um, earlier and faster um, and more efficiently. Um, and so that's kind of where it started. I just kind of attended things and I was really interested um, and tried to get involved. Cool. So I want to get into that, the whole the whole youth uh, movement and and some of the obvious things which I know you've talked about. I saw I saw your TED talk around like why sometimes people think that's a bad idea. They push back right. on it. But before we go to that, um, I guess let me ask the more philosophical question. What's the reason um, that you find that so important? And I know like there's an obvious answer of, well, I think it's good for the youth to get involved, but like what's underneath that? What's kind of your meaning of life question? Is it for society to continue to improve? Is it more about just doing good for as many people as we can? What, what is it that really underpins it? Yeah, so um, I think what's different now is that young people today have so many more resources than every generation before us. Um, I think every generation before us, you know, you had to go to school and you had to learn, but now with like the internet and like all these resources, I mean, you can get your degree online. You can um, learn about literally anything by searching up a YouTube video. And I feel as if young people aren't taking advantage of that. We're still following this linear pathway of like, I'm gonna to go to college, I'm gonna do this, and then I'm gonna get involved. Um, and education is, it's wonderful and it's absolutely necessary. But I think that if we start a little bit earlier, um, we can start tackling problems that are a lot more time sensitive, like climate change or racism, um, or any of those from a, you know, a lot earlier of a starting point. Um, so I think that's my deeper thing. It's, it's that we're on a ticking clock um, and that we're waiting way too long to start. So it's, it's about, and I, and I mean this in, in the best ways, like it's about fixing the world, really, right? It's, and and it's the idea is, yeah. We should fix the world because it will make our lives better mm -hmm. or is it um and maybe it's the same thing but is it just the right thing to do like is it more functional or is it more like um moralistic yeah i think uh i guess I, the right word that i would use for it maybe is that it's more efficient mm -hmm. um okay. we we have less time so um if we wait for adults to make change and then we have to mitigate or fix that and then keep making progress it's going to take way too long um and like i said with issues like climate change and racism we just don't have that long um and so yeah so what so i i totally get 
the logic of, of what you're saying. So I just want to clarify, just make sure, because I think one of the first things people that would challenge it might say is um, that it's, it's meant to exclude older people, right? It's just, it's younger people know better. They have more answers and that's just typical young people being young people. So just to clarify what, and I don't mean to lead the witness of whichever it is, but is it, is it that, is it that old people kind of had a chance and gave a shot, but it didn't work and young people are better. Or is it just, Hey, just a seat at the table. Let's all figure this out together. Yeah. It's, it's, let's all figure this out together. Um, I think without the older generation's experience, cause that's not something we have, we haven't mm -hmm. worked in the workforce. We haven't, um, experienced any of that stuff, but I think, um, without that, we would be nowhere, right? Because all our resources are actually coming from this older generation. That's how we're learning. Um, and I think the only issue is that we're waiting too long. We're waiting till our thirties or forties to start looking into that. And that's just not the world anymore. Now we have the resources to learn from five. I mean, we have like, you know, young people. And I think um, if you look at a lot of like the people that are making change, like Greta Thunberg or Malala or any of them, it's from such a young age. And it's powerful because of our youth, because we're coming from a place of resource and of like new perspectives. Um, and I think that kind of diversity, age diversity, is just as important as like, you know, racial diversity or like um, gender diversity or any of those things. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. So much so that I actually, um, so this is the thing I'm passionate about is these conversations and, and yeah. um, learning more about life. I had my son, my son's eight years old, and I had him on for an episode. And part of it was just <laughs> kind of for fun. But part of it was exactly what you're saying. Like, I yeah. think everybody has a unique perspective, right? And to to just to exclude anybody based on age or whatever is just stupid. Yeah. The best thing to mm -hmm. do is get as much input as possible, different perspectives, and then right. that's more efficient to get to the best solution. So I totally agree. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, so the the next thing I think people might say is that it's I'm trying to think if there's a better way to say. It. I guess I'll just say it, that it's like ego driven. That kids yeah. just you know it's more about attention and they don't really know what they want yet and that kind of whole thing, right? Um, I guess let me just leave it at that. What, what would you say to that? What's what's the response to that? Uh, sorry, repeat the question. I'm I guess th this idea that it might be more ego driven than anything else, like it's it's virtue signaling. I guess kind of like that concept where it's just what's in vogue right now. It's the fad is to try and fix the world, and that's mm -hmm. why kids are are more interested in doing it, or and why people are more vocal. I think there's obvious logical arguments to to dispute that, but um, I guess well, let me ask the question have you considered that is that something that you worry about is that something you see in other people that you work with or anything like that yeah absolutely um i think today's world especially because of college applications or like jobs and stuff we try to pretend like we're involved in things that we don't actually care about mm. um and i think that's kind of i think where you were going with it like the ego thing um and i think the difference is like what we try to instill with this whole education movement is really like this mindset of like i care about our future and I care about getting involved early mm. um, and we can really quickly tell who's in it for the ego and who's in it for because they care about it mm. um, because the second college apps are over the resume building is over um, they kind of drop out mm. um, and they don't really care and that's kind of what our company is all about that's something that we really focus on we focus on getting youth involved because they care about it um, and at the end of the day even if it has like an ulterior motive I think everything today has an ulterior motive sure. um, we try to have the majority of the interest be I care about you know making a difference and spreading my opinions and my ideas um, and sometimes just getting people to start thinking about the future mm -hmm. like thinking about past tomorrow past my own life trying to be part of something bigger than ourselves is um so so fascinating to hear mm -hmm. a bunch of people's opinion um and that's something we actually do we do like so our our company is kind of crowdsourced literature about the future and so we have people writing about everything from you know like saving the sea turtles to like the future of fashion um 
and just kind of getting that broad understanding um, and just writing about it is just really, really impactful. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and I think you articulated that well better than I asked the question of like, yeah, idea that so, sometimes it might be ego driven. There's some people out, it's a spectrum, I'm sure, right? Some people are in it just for the ego and to do whatever. Some okay. people maybe are more on the altruistic side, but for some people, it's okay if like it feels good to help people. It makes you feel good about yourself and kind of gets you some recognition, but you're also doing some good. So I, I don't think there's anything to apologize for that for. Um, so I think that's good. I think that's good. Um, what what are the things? So I guess you mentioned racism, climate change. In terms of the topics that you find most pressing, most important, how do you think about that? There's so many problems in the world today. There's so many different things to be concerned about. How do you kind of think about where to prioritize and how to focus that? Um, how to focus that? Um, I think so. Our company is really open ended. It's very like write about anything that interests you because I think that that really gets the most people involved. Um, I'm currently writing a book that's a little bit more focused on specific topics. Um, and I think maybe that might kind of answer a little bit more of your question that um, I'm focusing more on like the big issues. So medicine, mental health, climate change, finance, um, you know, like what's happening with Bitcoin and versus like stocks and all that kind of stuff. Um, and how is that changing? How is that developing as generations are passing? Um, and how can like, you know, young people get involved to start making change in those fields really early? Mm. Um, those are the broad sections, I would say. Um, there's also sections I kind of focus on like the future of creativity or where's the future of intelligence going mm. um, and how can we like get involved in being more creative? Um, what is creativity looking like as as time is changing um, and, you know, how to get involved? Yeah. And I guess maybe back to what we touched about on before, all, all of that is kind of a means to an end, right? Like it, the more we do that, the more creative we are, the more involved the youth is, all that stuff. It gets us to a better world. Yes. What does that better world look like? Like, what is it that that final state becomes if, if we kind of get this all right? Yeah, um, obviously, obviously, climate change and racism, all those things would settle down a little bit. But I think the bigger thing is that people are aware of things that are bigger than themselves. A big issue, obviously, as I'm sure everyone knows, is education um, around the world is that people are just not aware of what's going on. Um, and we think about tomorrow, but we don't think about five years from now. We don't think about 10 years from now. We're very, sometimes a little bit too much in the present. I know we don't hear that too often, but uh, mentally we're a little bit too much like, okay, what does my work day look like tomorrow? Or like, what am I gonna do tomorrow at school? We're not thinking like, okay, how am I making an impact on the world? What is my, what is my work, you know, um, contributing to if our planet is dying in like 10 years um, and those kinds of things. So I think um, the idealistic world would be everybody being really educated about what's going on and getting involved really early um, and caring about things from a place of passion rather than a place of, you know, outcome. Mm. Um, and yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the other thing that's tricky is, um, or, or maybe I'm curious if you considered, so I agree with you also in the point that like old people, just using that kind of generic phrase, haven't, <laughs> haven't done it themselves, right? The world has not been fixed. You know, there's lots of problems still. Um, but one reason for that, I would argue, is that it's just, they're so complex, right? They're so nuanced. And not only the, the issue itself, but how you fix it, almost more importantly, racism is probably the best example of that. I think most people would agree racism is terrible. It's yeah. how you fix it and like what, what it should look like and all that, where it gets tough. Um, so how do you think about that? Like, is it, is it possible that these problems haven't been solved just because they're maybe impossible problems to solve? Do you have any thought of that? Or is there a true optimism in it that like, no, 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 there's, there's clear right and wrong here of how this should be done. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't really know if some of them are impossible or not. I think that's something that, you know, researchers are thinking about all the time. Um, but I think the thing is we can mitigate a lot of these problems. Like, you know, we can reduce like killing to like 
slang or something like that, even if it's like something as small as that. Um, that's so impactful. That saves so many lives. Um, and it's not that we're going to solve it. It's that if we promote this thinking, the generation after me could do it and the generation after them could do it. And we could just keep doing that um, and continue using the resources that we have so endlessly been given the opportunity to be given. Um, and make the most out of it because that's not something that a lot of the generations before us had um you know uh now with the internet and all these things um we can learn so much so easily so yeah see i wonder though i don't disagree at all but i wonder if it becomes more to the to the spirit of this show a philosophical question right mm -hmm. like for some of these things to solve them there has to be an objective right and an objective wrong right like what you're getting at is that we have more resources we have more tools so we should be able to get to the right answer Right. And there's a theory or, or a thought that maybe there is no one right answer. And that's the problem. But mm -hmm. what do we do then? Right. Like, I guess, first, let me ask you, like, do you think there is one right way and there's people in the world that are fundamentally doing it wrong um, and that their beliefs are just wrong? Or do you think it's just we see the world differently? And again, there's extremes of people that are obviously doing stuff wrong. But how much kind of tolerance do you have for that? that there might be other ways people think is better. Yeah, at the end of the day, I think everything is an opinion, right? Uh, we all have opinions about things. I mean, my opinion is no less valuable than anybody else's opinion. Um, but I think education is where I'm kind of coming from. Mm -hmm. um, understanding the world and where it is and where we hope for it to be. Um, things that are factual, like things that we can't change, things that we know about our atmosphere or we um, literally cannot change based on years and years of scientific studies um, are things that I hope that we could focus on just a little bit more. Mm. Um, and at the end of the day, I have strong beliefs that, you know, killing is wrong or violence is wrong um, because there are ways to do it um, and to really like, you know, make people feel like this is their home. Earth is our home. Um, and to do that, I think education again, yeah. we always come back to education, um, just really, really trying to promote people to think that there is more than just themselves. Yeah, no, I like it. The killing's a, a, a good, horrible, obviously, but but good example of it because that's the almost a cliched one, right? Where a lot of people would say, yeah, I, obviously I wish the world didn't have, you know, pain and suffering and killing right. and murder and all that, but it's just the way it is, right? There's, there's certain times in which that's necessary, whether that be war or other things. Mm -hmm. And once you justify it a little bit, well, now you open the door to it, it must exist in the world. Yeah. So like, take that topic. How do you view that? Do you think um the people that think human nature is such that killing and, and murder and violence is inevitable do you think they have it wrong do you think there is a path to where we can really eliminate that i'm not too sure i think i myself am not too educated on the subject i'm constantly trying to learn more and it's a huge generalization because these things are so complex there there um but i do think that a lot of it comes from a place of um, hate. And now with our generations constantly being more and more diverse, um, the US is constantly getting more diverse day by day. Um, around the world, there's so much more promotion for international education um, and all those things. And I think if we focus on a place of love and unity rather than like reasons to split us apart, um, I think that could really improve. Mm. Um, a lot of times human nature, we try to find all these reasons why we're different, mm. um, you know, like sexuality or gender, like where we were, color yeah. of our skin, anything. Um, and we're like, you know, this is why we cannot be together. Like, um, rather than focusing on like, all right, we all have eyes, we all have noses, we all have these things mm. that really connect us. We all have brains that are so intelligent and capable of so much. And we never promote that. We always promote the things that separate us because we think they're more important. Yeah. Um, 
I really think that's something that could be fixed. But again, I am 18. Yeah, no, I get it. In this, so I have no idea. Well, yeah. well, it's funny you say that because I was just going to say, I, I was thinking about this recently. I knew we were going to be talking. So I've been thinking about this a bunch. And mm-hmm. I do think there's a lot of truth to it, or at least logic to it, that younger people naturally aren't jaded, tarnished, whatever you want to call it by the world with these, some of these biases and, and okay. blind spots that we have and all that. So it is much easier for you to see the world as like, Hey, we should all just love each other. Like, why would yeah. I be worried? And I was thinking about even like immigration Yeah. At, at its, at its most pure form. Like, why would you care if another person is coming to this country? I, right. I get there's laws and things like that, but if they're coming to this country and they're going to work hard and they're good people, who cares what nationality they are? It should right. just be like, Oh, wow. More great people. This is <laughs> awesome. And in some ways, that's so obvious. But I could say as a somewhat older person, it's not the natural sentiment. And it's It's just not not the way we've thought. Um, So I I hear you, right? Young people don't, they have a a better perspective, you could argue on that. Yeah, maybe not better. But I think that we could use our um, lack of experience as an advantage rather than a disadvantage. I think sometimes older generations look at the younger generations like, oh, they don't have enough experience. They haven't been to college. Like we Mm -hmm. can't trust their opinion. But the thing is, part of that is really, really great. Having this lack of knowledge and less bias, um, right? Like, for example, young people, we're not trying to sell things. We're not trying to like, you know, like, that's not really yeah. the place that we come yeah. from a lot of times. Um, and we're not trying to, you know, run a brand campaign or something like that. So a lot of times this lack of bias is actually really, really powerful in that, like, we see the world in its most simplest form. Mm. And we take away all these biases, we don't understand immigration laws, we don't understand climate change, to the extent that a lot of older people who specialize in it do. And this simpler way of looking at things is sometimes, in my opinion, a good step towards finding a solution. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, it, everything is as simple as we make it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say this first. I think, or I'll ask this, what, back to kind of what we were touching on before, I think a lot of people would hear this conversation and say, yes, true, but there's a reason young people become old people because they get experience, <laughs> yeah. they get experience with the world and they recognize, back to what we were saying, that human nature is such that a sustained scalable view of we're all one and we all love each other and, and no, no harm, no pain, you know, all that stuff. It's just not realistic. Eventually humans end up back in the same place because it's all we can do. Mm-hmm. And that's the scary part. Right. And what's cool about your perspective is you seem to have the optimistic view to be like, I get it. It's hard, but I do think there's a path. Yeah. I, I don't know that I'm that convinced. I, I aspire for that. I hope it's that, but maybe because yeah. I'm old and I'm more jaded, I worry like maybe it's not, maybe it's never going to, cause it's been going on for right. so long, you know? Right. Yeah. What, like, uh, what, what, what is your response? Is it optimism? Is it blind optimism or is it like, no, no, no. I actually think there's a path for this. I do actually think that um, I think in part of my book research, I've been looking into um, some stats on it. Um, I forget the number and I could probably get back to you on it, but every um, generation that passes, we are less tied to our superstitions. So like, for example, our religious ties or our cultural ties, for example, I'm Indian, but I'm way less connected to my culture or my religious beliefs or superstitions than my parents or my grandparents are. And that's just because of how the world is evolving and how much more education we have. Mm. Um, And that's just a natural stat. We just keep getting less and less tied to these things that are often things that divide us, in my opinion. Um, and we are a lot more, you know, unity centric, um, especially um, I'm, I'm way more catered to the US because I live in it. Um, but I do know that like the people around me are way more um, 
like kind of aware of things um, and I haven't been to other countries or know enough to speak on it. Um, but I think that's really improving that we are less tied to like, okay, this is my religion. This is your religion. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't be friends or we can't get married or anything like that. Um, and the increase in numbers of like um, interracial marriages are increasing all the time and all these things. So I think that idea is improving based on stats. Mm-hmm. So I do hope that that optimistically will improve yep. Overall. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. There's a logic to that. It's, it's yeah. pretty much saying, maybe not technically, but we're evolving, right? Yeah. We're evolving as each generation passes towards this better outcome, which is we're all one and we kind of should all love each other. So I, I, I don't I don't disagree with that. Um, I guess, how does, how does tolerance fit into this? And by that, I mean, so back to what I was mentioning before about like the common critiques you might get. I think some people that are cautious or hesitant to let young people into the conversation, it's based out of fear. Because they're worried that like they see a world that's changing and they see risk to themselves, whether it's conscious or subconscious. And they think like, I don't know that world. I'm worried right. about it. And the fear is also rooted in the idea that it's it's a kind of cancel culture world and it's more vicious. And if you don't follow what people think you should be thinking, then you're on the outs. What do you say to that? Like, is that something that you see? Is it is it is that just something that's contrived in people's heads and there's no truth to that? Or is there some reality to that? I think it's coming back to this dividing thing. Um, it's the same way that women were never included in conversations a hundred years ago, um, out of fear, you know, like lack of experience or just like for whatever reason, like blah, 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 blah. Um, I think it comes from the same place that we try to find reasons why we should divide people rather than unite people. Um, so I do think the fear is a little bit unwarranted. I don't think that everyone should just accept youth and be like, oh, this person thinks that, you know, this is how we should do it. And no research, no experience, nothing. We should just do things. No, I think that um, in a seat of, in a room of 10 people, there should be one youth member or youth advocate or youth um, what's it called? ambassador or something like that. Just speaking about what they see or coming from a place of, you know, this is where we want the world to look like um and it's actually done in so many places and i think we're just trying to promote that idea um for example intel and google have a science fair every single year where they give problems to young people and expect them to try and you know find it because we have the resources to um in many ways the same resources that a lot of adults do um just less experience yeah no i definitely like i buy the logic and and i mean that to be genuine not like flippant or dismissive (laughs) I think it's super logical. It just makes sense. And 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 you're right. Not only does it make sense, even if it's just thinking of the average, quote unquote, right. average youth, but to your point, there's some phenomenal ones. Everybody's phenomenal in their own way, but in certain areas, whether it be science, research, whatever, that there's just real tangible value to be had if you do that. It's not just right. like a nice thought. It's actually yeah. very functional. So yeah, I agree. I agree. So um, I, I, I want to still dig on this a little bit of like what for you is at the very root level of this. Um, so maybe let me ask it this way. And it could be, is there is there some form of like spirituality behind it that says this is this is how people should approach the world and this is the better way. And um, you know, kind of that's that's our duty in some ways. Is it religious? Is it spiritual? Was it just your family that kind of instilled this in you? Or do you think you were just born this way that you have this view of a, a better world and what it could be? Yeah, I actually grew up, uh, oh, by the way, these are great questions. I'm, oh. I'm really thinking about like everything I stand for, like in this one conversation. But um, I grew up in the heart of Silicon Valley in California, surrounded by technology. So my life was very science based. Um, I was like completely around like, all right, this is what's here and this is what isn't. Um, and we followed what's here. And I believe in the value of religion so much. I think that it's great. Um, 
but I, I don't have enough education on it, you know, mm. to, to speak on the spirituality part of it. Um, but I think being around in a place where like so much is happening and, and I live right next to like Google, Apple and Microsoft and um, all of these companies are always talking about the future. Like, mm. what does the iPhone look like 10 years from now? You know, what technologies are going to be implanted into our head? Um, all these things. Right. And so um, I've really grown up around that mindset. Um, a lot of my friends are, have also grown up in that mindset. And so with that idea in mind, it kind of got me thinking about all of these things. Mm. Um, and I think it's just how I grew up, the place yeah. I grew up, uh, the kinds of things that we were taught in school or the kinds of events we had to go to. What, why not, um, so I get all that, the improvement and the efficiency. I, I think that's, that's, that makes sense given how you grew up. Why directing it towards kind of more of like a, a virtuous type thing and, and something to help society as a whole? Why not dedicate it towards just creating your own business for profit and you know becoming a mega billionaire or whatever it is? What, what, where's the virtuous part of it coming? Um, I've always loved to help people. I think that I'm a very, I like to get involved like in communities and stuff. Um, and I really wanted to do something that was kind of like from the soul, from the heart, um, mm. away from the capitalism aspect of it. Um, and really just try to make change in a way that's just really like soul to soul. Like, mm. you know, how can we like improve the world, um, with things as simple as just zoom calls and conversations or like education workshops or um, just opening up a site where people can just publish things that they care about. Um, just something like that. Nothing, we don't, we barely run on like a, a monetized plan. We were very like, you know, how can we just try to get this to reach the most amount of people? Mm. Um, I think I think that's about it. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 I, I get that. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. If I could ask, because I think this is where it's interesting to really learn about people. What you said, you love helping people. Can you say more about that? Like, what does that feel like for you? Like, how do you know deep in your soul that like, yes, this is, this is right. This is what I should be doing. Um, honestly, I think in this whole book writing process, I, when I started, I was like, I started when I was maybe like 15 or 16. So I was oh, very uh, like, okay, I'm young. I'm just having fun. Like, I just want to see what's going on. Um, and then I started writing this book and I have to think about it and type every single day about how I feel about all of these things um, and how I see it from different perspectives. And the more I do that, the more I kind of like look into it and I'm like, okay, where is this coming from? You know, like, how am I, how am I like, um, like, what is, what is my perspective different from other people? Um, I think that process has really, really shaped that for me. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because it's all built around self-reflection and kind of yeah, questioning. Entirely, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so through that and kind of through doing it, I guess, through action, you've kind of gotten that positive reinforcement to say like, yeah, this is what I need to be doing. This is what, you know, I want to dedicate. Do you think it's a lifelong journey or is it something where you see yourself 10, 15 years from now doing something very different? Right now, I hope it's a lifelong journey. Um, but I do know that the more I learn, the more my views are shaped. So um, I definitely see what I'm doing constantly be adapting or morphing as I learn more and I'm able mm -hmm. to, you know, come from a stronger perspective. Um but yeah, I do, I do think it's important to get started early. So I'm kind of doing that myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to ask you a question that, that may be unfair, but let's go with it and just see, because I think there's some <laughs> learning in this. Yeah. Can you envision a scenario or, or how could it happen or could it happen that you become one of the older people that you speak of? Like to, to that point that we're evolving generation by generation. Is there any fear that you have that 20 years from now, whatever it is, 30 years from now, you're going to be in much that same position? 
Like, and, and what, what, if anything, would allow that to happen? Because as I sit here and talk to you right now, that would seem like it's impossible. Like you have this perspective, you're so dedicated to it. It's so real for you. Um, but I think there's a lot of people that are now 40, 50 years old that might be able to think back and think, yeah, I used yeah. to be like that. And now yeah. I'm, yeah, fuck it, you know? Um, so like, how do you think about that? Is there, is there any scenario where you think that might happen or, or why do you think it happened for some people? I think it will 100% happen. I think I will become older and I will see the exact same thing. Um, but I think what we're trying to do even now is to get adults in companies to start just creating a space for young people to talk. Um, so let's say like 20 years from now, I'm working at, I don't know, some tech company or something like that. Um, and I come to, you know, the head of the company and I'm like, I want to start a youth chapter. I want to get, um, even the UN does it right now, right? Like the UN Youth Assembly, um, because it's just so important to get young people involved. So if I'm 50 and I'm involving 20 year olds, I think that's really impactful. Um, so I think that's something adults can do now. I hope I do it as an adult. Um, does yeah. that assume, can I ask you, does that assume then that it's inevitable as we get older to become, I'm going to say it bluntly, you're going to not like it, but I'm going to say anyway, to become like shitty people, to become the opposite of what we talked about, people that can appreciate that we're all one and that we should look out for each other and things greater than ourselves. Is it inevitable that as we age, we lose that? And therefore, what you're saying is we need to continually like revive, like bring in more youth to keep that voice there. Because it's, it's not about the person themselves. It's just about youth in general, because they have that unique perspective. Is that right? Yeah, scientifically, uh, we get more and more closed minded as we age, because it's like the phenomenon of like, uh, let's say like you're 10 years old, and you like pasta, and mm -hmm. you just keep growing up and you just continue liking pasta, you never have to rethink, retry pasta to be like, oh, I do like this. Mm -hmm. um, and so that same concept kind of continues. It's like, if I feel a certain way about something, it's really unlikely that like, I'm going to drastically change in like 30 years, because I never have to reinforce or mm -hmm. reopen mm -hmm. my mind to new things. And um, you don't think that could be over, sorry to interrupt, but you don't think that could be overcome? You don't think as we evolve as humans, we can finally overcome that and be able to, you know, move past it? I think that's exactly what I hope to do. I think by involving young people all the time in the things that we do as adults, um, our mind will be opened. Um, uh, okay. We'll be looking at okay. things from a new perspective, right? Because we have these people who are 20 coming in and telling us what we're doing wrong as 50 year olds. Um, and that's gonna open up our minds. We're gonna be like, oh, this thing that I thought of for 40 years to be true is now changing. Mm. Um, and so that, that would require, I think, I'm putting myself into the position of an old person, which I <laughs> pretty much am, but, there has to be a humility there as we age, yes. right? For every old person to accept the fact that they don't see it perfectly as every person should do probably, right? right? Um, and that they need more perspective to get to a better outcome. That's probably the biggest challenge, right? Cause so many people yeah. are gonna think like, I don't need that. I got yeah. it, like I see yeah. it, right? Yeah. And we don't want young people to have big heads, right? So when we educate young people, we're like, we don't have the experience. We don't have the, we haven't worked in the workforce. Mm. Um, and I think if young people can admit their faults, we can also, as as I hope that I'm, when I'm older, admit the fact that we have a lower range of perspective, that mm. we are looking at things one specific way because that's how we've all been grown up um, to you know look at things mm. the way that we've been taught to. Um, so I think it's a two-sided thing, right? Like we have to admit where, we're wrong and older people have to admit where they can improve and together that that like that 360 perspective is what I really hope to bring into that's this. the magic yeah it's yeah. cool because it makes me think I think of this with my son all the time as I mentioned he's eight how often like if he messes something up or he does something wrong or he gets something wrong right he thinks something and then he learns he was wrong and it was different how quickly he's just like oh shoot I got it wrong like oh well and he moves on like yeah. no big deal yeah whereas as an adult me my wife others like 
when we're wrong, when we mess up, like the defenses kick in, we get like, yeah. so you're right. There is that perspective in it um, for sure, which I think is beneficial. Right. I think getting that youth. Now, the, the thing that scares me, and maybe as we're coming towards, close towards the end here, I'll ask this. Um, what I worry about is that that two-sided piece. It's almost like there's a cycle running right now because the two, when they go negative, they also feed off of each other and it becomes problematic yeah. because then it's almost a game of chicken. Nobody wants to flinch. Nobody wants to admit I'm wrong. Because <laughs> if I admit my, I'm wrong and you don't play by the same rules, now you have right. the advantage. You have power, right? And this whole dynamic of human nature and the power comes in. Do you think at scale, people can admit their faults enough to actually embrace this better way of this, you know, what we're talking about is a better way of being. Yes, 100%. I think yes. Um, I think that's I also right. part of I want that on the right. I really hope. Yeah. That. <laughs> but I think it's on, also sorry. this whole part. It's this whole part of like educating people young to admit their faults that like, whenever we hold a workshop, we're like, please understand you don't have the experience. Um, and that's kind of just, you know, how we started mm. off. Or if I'm talking to anyone, I, I come from a place of like, I literally only have eight years of memories. Like, that's all I have. Like, I don't have a lot to, to give. Um, I think that if we bring that up young, I hope that people have that when they're older. Um, I don't know a lot, yeah. <laughs> but I think that hopefully like this open-minded thing could really, really start to change. Yeah. Um, we can be lifelong learners. Sometimes I feel like um, in previous generations, we, we stop at 40 or we stop at 50. Um, and we don't, you know, we just kind of, we kind of slow yeah. down and we, you're like, all right, that's that's what I'm what I've learned. Um, lifelong learning. Um, I think it's really important. Well, yeah, and it's interesting because I think there's such a misconception, at least my perspective of it, and and at least through this conversation to the extent you represent. But I think there's so many people that that's that have a misconception that there's there's an arrogance on the other side, right? By the other side, I mean on the youth side, that they mm -hmm. think they know everything, that they they aren't that not the humility you're expressing right now. And it makes me wonder, right. like, what why did where did that come from? Like, why did why does that and is that more of human nature where we just tend to be cynical and, you know, we just get jaded and we just always assume, you know, those yeah. people can't understand. Um, yeah. I don't know, but like, that's, that, that's upsetting to me too, I guess, um, that, yeah. that, that aspect of human nature, you know? I think we look at ourselves really highly. We think we're great, uh, that we understand everything um, and understanding that we know very little in the grand scheme of things is like step one. Where'd um, that come from for you, Rhea? Where'd that humility come from? Because it seems very genuine. Um, to the extent I know from, you know, a 40 minute conversation, but where, yeah. where, where do, were you always like that? Did you always have that humility? Or was that um, something that was I think my parents have definitely instilled it in me. Um, but more importantly, I feel like every time I, I'm, I'm in college, like if, if I enter a class or I read a book, like, wow, I know nothing about this. Um, and understanding that that's one book out of like a gazillion that exists in this world, um, make you realize how little we know um, mm -hmm. and how little our perspective actually is coming from and how much of it is shaped from nurture and uh, not just nature. Um, I think understanding where we're wrong is a very big step to improving. Um, and a lot of people don't do that, especially, it, I mean, even in youth, people think that, okay, I got into Harvard, I must know everything. Um, in fact, you know, they probably know just as little as anyone else. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. So maybe I'll ask this. I like to ask these questions that are like thought exercises because I find them they're so great. I'm like <laughs> so <laughs> all over the place. Yeah, I, I, I always want to test. Right. I always want to see. I always try and test myself and, and empathize to say everything you're saying. Right. Admitting you're wrong is so hard. Mm -hmm. 
Sure. Um, so I always try and find for myself, like, where's that place where I could think I could never be wrong about this and then see, like, would I ever be willing to admit I'm wrong? So I'm trying to think of that for you. I'm not yeah. sure if it'll work, but we'll give it a shot. <laughs> okay. If there was a scenario where some studies were done or research or what have you, and it proved out, actually, I'm making it up, obviously, completely, okay. but that organizations that, that brought in youth ambas- ambassadors and, and brought in youth and engaged them actually got worse outcomes. Mm-hmm. And actually, the right way to do this is to let youth just be youth and have fun, enjoy life. Mm-hmm. And old people are doing the best we can be doing, however you want to say it. Right. Um, now, obviously, that's a make pretend hypothetical and all that. But is there ever a scenario in your mind where you'd be like, oh, OK, maybe yeah, I got it wrong. It is that. And because in some ways, that's the challenge that so many of the people we're talking about of admitting they're wrong face themselves with. They are so sure that they're right that they yeah. can't imagine being wrong, you know? Yeah, 100 uh, percent. I would be more than happy to admit that I'm wrong. Um, And I think a lot of the work that I do is based off of linear data, right? Like it's the fact that like these studies are coming out, like youth are the future. Youth Mm -hmm. have 950%, I don't know, making up a number, Mm -hmm. more resources than older generations. Um, And it's because of these stats that I'm getting involved, I think. Um, And if stats come out that all of that was wrong and that like, you know, something new is coming up and that, you know, I was wrong. um, I think I would change my advocacy in a form Mm -hmm. that's like, okay, how can we get youth to start making an impact? Maybe youth are doing it the wrong way. Um, Because I think there's always a way around these things, you know? Um, And I think if you look at like history, I think it's all coming from like a form of research, I guess. I know it's kind Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. difficult to explain, but like we we started off where just men were doing everything. And then like we got just white men were doing everything. Mm -hmm. And then like different colored men were doing everything. And then women got involved and now like different genders and different sexualities and all these things, everybody's getting involved. And the one thing that we haven't really conquered yet is the age disparity. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in my opinion, like if you look at linear data, that's the best way to start involving more and more people. We need to get everybody on earth involved if we're going to solve earth issues. Mm -hmm. Um, At the end of the day, we're just, you know, dots on a planet. So Mm -hmm. if we don't all combine, we can't really do much. Yeah. All right. One more question. I lied. Um, sure. <laughs> everything you're saying is so logical, which I, I appreciate. Right. And, and it, and it makes sense. So the reason I keep asking questions to probe at it is because I'm hoping you're right, but I want to, I want to try and test it because it'll make me feel better. I don't know. Maybe it's my ego, yeah. but um, there's, there's also a view, a lot of what you're saying is rooted in research and data and, and those types of things, which makes obvious sense and is good. Mm-hmm. There are those that are skeptical and say like, but you can never know for sure. And the research can be directed. And, and, and you mentioned before, you know, Apple and Google, and there's a lot of people that are suspicious of these big tech companies and that they have an agenda mm-hmm. and that there's kind of this hidden agenda that's happening. And that a lot of the research and the data that you're hearing about what is the better way to be and to live is okay. maybe not necessarily the truth. Obviously, I'm not saying that's the case, but there's some people that that think that might be true. Or maybe it is. Who knows? We never really know. But um do you have any concerns about that? Like, is that something that enters your mind at all? Or how, how do you think about that? Yeah, um, I guess we never really know about anything. Um, I mean, existential theories, um, we, we don't know. I think that we just do the best we can. I think um, I this is coming from a very black and white young perspective, but I mm. think love is always better than hate. I think there, you know, like unity is always better than, you know, splitting up. Um, those things are just things that I think are just generally what I hope to be moral truth. Um, but I have no is idea. Hate, is hate ever warranted in your mind? Do you think hate's ever something that people should oh, exhibit? I don't know. I have to be far more educated to answer that question. I don't What's know. Your gut? I mean, I'm not going to obviously hold like, is your gut, like, do you think hate evil exists in the world? Like that's a real thing. Um, um, I think it does. I think it is. It, it's like how there can't be good without bad. Right. Mm. And we can't experience 
um, happiness without pain or mm. sadness. Um, so I think it has to exist in some way for us to be able to be the opposite. Um, I'm not too sure. Yeah, we won't, go, we won't go down this logical rab rabbit hole right now, but <laughs> what, worries me, what worries me about that is if, if there is good and bad, yeah. And that means there is one right way to do it, or at least a right way to do it, because there, there's good, right? And there's wrong ways to do it. That means that this tribalism, this divisiveness that we have maybe is part of the design in that some people just get it wrong and they should be treated differently because they're getting it wrong. Mm -hmm. And some people get it right. right. And, and particularly it's scary if we can never tell which is right and wrong, because right. then that's where wars and hatred and all this stuff comes from, because mm -hmm each side thinks like, no, 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 I'm the one that has it right. And exactly. I'm, I'm actually the one saving the world. They right. have it completely wrong. That That is the scariest thing. Because and it's once a you have that, I think kind of comes yeah. into this, just this really like, I don't know things. Just starting from there is beautiful. Yeah. I, I love people who start that way. <laughs> well, I'll tell you as we wrap here, that's that's one of my biggest takeaways from this, Rhea. Um, I think that humility, um, it, it shines through a lot and, and it, it's super exciting for me because I totally agree with everything you're saying. I think humility is at the root core of so much of this because to, to evolve, to learn, to become better, to love people more, all of that has to come from a place of humility of starting saying like, I'm not better than anybody else. I don't have all the answers. I might be seeing it wrong. I have no reason to just judge somebody based on no knowledge at all, right? All that, all that comes from humility. So the fact that you're exhibiting it, the fact that you're trying to promote that among all the other cool things you're trying to promote makes me really optimistic because I do think there's logic to it um, and there's humility to it. And when you put those two things together, that's a pretty good combination. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I'm so glad I can appeal to the older generation. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, listen, I think, again, it's logic and humility. It's hard. I think that appeals to anybody, um, yeah. as it should, right? It's, it's just effective. It's just efficient. It's the way to be. So, Rhea, thank you so much um, for spending time here, for answering these questions. I know I kind of go all over the place to try and understand. And, no, I had a great time. Your, your perspective was also really enlightening for me to listen to. I think it really shaped my perspective as well. I appreciate that a ton. You certainly gave me a lot uh, to learn, too. So thank you so much, Rhea. I appreciate it. Bye. Thank you so all much. Bye-bye. Right.